This episode is sponsored by Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. My name is Mark Linsenmeyer, your improv uh, ringleader today. Improv ringleader. Why do this I keep saying Arnett. that? Why do I say I said that last time? A ringleader of sorts, but trained in philosophy. Yes, and uh, my name is Bill Arnett, the true improv ringmaster, yet a philosophy elephant cleaner up behind her to keep the circus metaphor going. All right, this is team play. We got two guests who don't even yes. know each other. We've had two guests before, but they've always come together. Jenny, introduce yourself. I'm Jenny Hansen. I'm the tiger that needs to be tamed in the circus. <laughs> a okay. <philosopher>. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, we're trained to have these sort of ferocious debates. And you're, you're a philosophy professor. Philosophy professor at St. Lawrence University <laughs> up here in the frozen tundra of northern New York. Yes, near the Canadian border. <laughs> All right. And I'm Adel Rafai, a man in a bear suit selling merchandise. But I'm not having a great year. Uh, not a lot of commissions. I am a podcaster. I uh, do a few improv podcasts. I teach improv at UIC here in Chicago. I'm so sorry to hear that the circus stuff is not selling well. Can you can you elaborate on that to start us off? Yes. So, listen, I'm so happy that PETA kind of came down hard on the elephant thing because I think I agree with that. I Hey, I agree. But they replaced it with holograms, much like they did with Tupac and ABBA. So it's a lot of holograms of animals. And I think that the kids just aren't having as good of a time. Therefore, they're not lingering for merch. But thanks to the Elephant Keepers Union, I am still kept on to shovel hologram manure. And that was the only thing in the room I didn't want to bring up, Bill. I'm glad you did. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was, yes, that was the actual elephant in the metaphorical <laughs> room we did. What? <laughs> what, what you guys like, are not, water for, like water for holograms. You're, you're yeah. not seeing the advantages here that. By having the elephants be holograms, they can really get in the individual viewers' faces. They can do all sorts of things that are physically impossible for elephants. It really it makes it a much more up-to-date experience. Mark, if I may, since I'm the one selling the merch and working for the circus, uh, right in the thick of it. Remember back in like 1904 when they had movies where the train was coming right at the audience and the audience screamed and ran away and cried? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like that, where an elephant comes charging at your child and you don't know any better. You're instinctually just sort of grabbing them and running. So we get a lot of people leaving early as well. And, and is this the whole show? Is the whole show juggling, uh, uh, as it were, uh, to coin a phrase? <laughs> Juggling in the circus metaphor? I just wanted to go with this until Jenny felt comfortable enough to, to jump in. <laughs> I feel comfortable, but I'm like, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with this. Like, am I walking the tightrope over the well, virtual elephant, the okay. hologramic elephant? That Jenny communicated to me a particular philosophy lesson, and I have things to add about that. So I figured, let's do some improv, and you can just try to sneak it in. Embody it. Sneaky philosophy. Yes. And so, Bill and Adel, did you end up communicating about the lesson or uh, improvisers communicate beforehand? <laughs> Mark. No, 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 my friend. That's sketch. You're thinking of sketch. All right. Also, Mark, <laughs> thank you for joining us from in uh, the Beautiful Minds set. Uh, <laughs> wonderful work behind you. This is the, the ultimate cop out that is in every improviser's hip pocket. I thought this was improvised uh, <laughs> and it has saved me countless times. And has allowed me to stay in bed hours. Did anybody publicize the show? <laughs> hours Did longer anybody, than I should. 
I missed my calling, damn it. I didn't know there was a path for me like that, you know, improvising. I'm not procrastinating. I'm improvising when needed. I do have a lesson in mind. And I think <laughs> I can, if you'd like me to chat it to Adel, I can, but I it's think completely Adel, up to you. If it would help, I think Adel will understand. You will Adel, lose. would you like the lesson chat? Yes. And send it yes. now. And, okay. Or would you like the joy of discovery? Here's what I'll say I would refute. Bill's kind offer and just purely improvise. But I don't think I've been on this podcast in two years. I can't remember anything we're supposed to be doing. So <laughs> I, right. so, so I'm cool to improvise. I'm an improviser, but I'm also terrified because I'm like, was there something I was supposed to prep? What am I? Let us back up for the benefit of those. I feel like new listeners, would, would they still be listening at this point? But I asked that of all my podcasts about five minutes in, because at least I, I see the stats on YouTube where it shows how many people watch the first oh, minute of everything. I pr- Probably. I think it's not just my stuff. And then it's gone from the world. Do we need to front load this thing up top? Put some sex and violence right at the beginning of these shows? <laughs> Is that what we need to do? <laughs> I was getting that way with the, okay. what the porn elephants could do. I mean, there's lots of things. What are they, those clowns you're doing in the car? I know you fit so many in there. <laughs> They're spooning. They're like Russian, Russian nesting dolls. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there should be a clown car cam? So now, each... you want to be, you want to be the first nesting doll? Or... Yeah. Yeah. It's like human centipede. Do you want to be at the front or the end or in the middle? Yeah. Yeah. There was a human centipede at Eurovision this year. I can't remember the act, but it was quite, quite a thing. Excuse me. What? <laughs> at Eurovision. This, I didn't go to Eurovision. I watched Eurovision and one of the acts had like, a human centipede dancing. It was a terrible song. That's incredible. Someone will know, listen to this and hate me for life. But yes, it was a human centipede. Was it a conga line? I mean, I know that it's just a matter of gradation between a conga line. But but I think the position of the mouth, Ray, the person in front of you's anus, is sort of key <laughs> in the human centipede. But it had all of the, the okay. campiness of Eurovision, too. So like it was like an awkward... Yeah. A yeah. mock human centipede. It was, a, it was a mess. It was a murder scene. It was terrible. <laughs> Mark, what you said reminded me, I th- maybe it was Harold Ramis who said, what's the difference between a kiss ass and a brown noser? Proximity. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, okay. do you want to explain the format to the, the first time listener slash viewer? Well, since you and I went over this for hours yesterday, uh, <laughs> the exact format down telepathically, uh, similar to the past show. But the idea was if people could have teammates, maybe we could more deeply explore some of these ideas, both philosophically and improvisationally via teammates to help these little points and things be a little bit more impactful. I think that was it. Otherwise, the format will do a couple scenes. We'll chat in between. What we learn? What's the improv lesson? What's the philosophy lesson? How do we, how does that make us feel? What do we think about it? Perhaps do another scene. And then at the end, we haven't gotten there yet. We'll, we'll decide, we'll decide. <laughs> we, have, we now have a committee that will decide which lesson is more powerful. Each person will have a vote. And if it's a tie, then, uh, I think we have to fight. Yeah. Luckily that we have distance. You know, we can't be literal kiss asses or brown nosers. At this distance, I'm sorry. Perfect, yes. And just so you know, here at the circus, uh, anytime there's a tie or a dispute, usually settled with close-up magic. So flex those, <laughs> flex those fingers, get some uh, pressy digitation uh, prepared. <laughs> so Mark, you think we should begin with an improv scene? I, I think so. I mean, I think we can give a hint that Jenny's... Sure. Something in the area of speech acts, in philosophy of language. 
So that's very convenient okay. given that we're, again, despite the fact that the YouTube people can see us and our beautiful faces, we, we really have only words. Words to connect one with each other. Otherwise, we're just, we're just alone. Or we're chat GPT is what we are. I wanted to tell everybody, <laughs> we're going to be heading out here of, uh, heading out of Akron a day early. Uh, ticket sales have been terrible. So we're going to start breakdown procedures of the big top here tonight rather than tomorrow night. Breakdance? Breakdance procedures? Breakdown. Big, big top breakdown. We will have breakdancers though. The Jabberwockies are in the building. Akron, tough market, huh? Yeah, tough market. Exactly. They're just not. No, I mean, no one's really coming to the circus, but you're perfectly frank. No one wants joy in their hearts anymore in Akron. No one wants joy anywhere in their hearts. I mean, the circus is doing terribly, y'all. I mean, you know how hard it is to get a train these days to take everything? So we got to load up a day early. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, but we're leaving town a day early. Okay. As the strong man, I will say it pains me that a lot of people are just tossing around the idea of like we're packing up early when I know that a lot of this falls on my shoulders, literally and figuratively. I do 99% of the loading up. So I just wish people weren't so, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. That you say, we, we got to pack up this stuff. You make it feel like a universal issue. And it just feels like Samson, I feel like I do a lot of the work. So I just would appreciate, I love you guys. We are a family. Circus is family. Would a circus say, bop, bop, bada, bada, bop, I love you. Yes. Well, Samson, I think that's a great thing. I think we could all, we could all look at our schedules. And, you know, right now I am slammed trying to get this train scheduled day early because we're going to be in Kalamazoo tomorrow night or in two days. But I'm sure everybody else would love to help out. Everybody would love, love, love to help out. But I'm going to be nose in the phone book. It's 24 hours. I cannot lift boxes because I have flippers. Dale? Well, yeah. I mean, flipper boy. Dale, you're beautiful. Dale, you're beautiful. Don't change a thing. Don't apologize. You're beautiful. I wasn't apologizing. I'm just, I, I, I like to state. I like to be very forthright. Sure. You're, yes, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm proud of, I'm proud of my flippers. I mean, I know that in the community, they don't like me calling them flippers. They don't like us still uh, advertising it as a freak show. Somehow they find that offensive, but I am not offended. I stand out and I'm not going to help move boxes. That's fair okay. So the talent can't be bothered to pack up a box is what you're saying. I can nudge thing. I, I do a lot with my feet, you know. I can really get around. I'm very capable. But, you know, the kind of like, stuff that, that Samson is referring to of the lifting of the cages onto the, the train cars and stuff. I mean, that's all that's all him, man. Like, you can't even do that, Jenny, right? Really? I don't mean to put you in a box. Maybe I could. What does it entail? Maybe I could lift these things and put them on top of each other with animals or there's some large crates a tent folds up all the poles right right so it's just it's just about you know the crates and the folding and the putting things in and the stacking and the how hard could it be true and i just to chime in real quick i will say it's not that i won't do 99 percent of the work so i'll still do this it's just a thing of like it's like when someone if someone hits your car and then they go, what are we going to do about this? And you go, what are we going to do about this? You're going to give me your insurance, okay? And I'm going to uh, file a claim, right? So I just don't want people to say, hey, we're going to We're breaking up. it down. But are we, though? I mean, are you really 90% of this? Like, I mean, if you are, then I think you should be a go- just go ahead and be mad and not, and not let us say we, that we're breaking it down, right? Ever since I was a young boy <laughs> in Copenhagen. The town freak. That's a rough life. Right. (laughs) I've learned to not be mad because when 
Samson gets mad, walls come down, is what my dad used to say. And I can't go to that place anymore. So what I need to do is just try and speak my mind when possible, try and empathize, and try and connect with people. And some subtext spinning off your mind too, like (laughs) a little bit of like darts, you know? Okay. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do 90% of the work. Let's just not call it we, but yes, let's we do this. I'm just using the royal we, the circus must break down tonight. However, we need to define that in your own mind to preserve your feelings. Go ahead and do that. The circus must move on tonight. So whoever's going to lift those things, Samson, are you okay? If you could just say like, Samson, we know you're going to pack up everything. Just if you could just use my name in any context in lifting, it would be, I would just feel so much better about the sweat equity that I put into this, into the. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. And this is, you've been in the circus now for, for 10 years. This has just kind of been how it is. And don't break things, please. Don't, we, we don't want to, it's difficult to replace here on the road here. Jenny's going to help. Jenny's going to help. I mean, just call me Delilah, though. Yeah. Okay. And the Delilah, tattooed, she... yes, the tattooed bearded lady who can fit inside a box will help you. How ironic that she'll be lifting boxes. So help are, you. are we good yeah. to go? We, we ready to get this rolling? We ready to get the show on for today and then we'll break down? I think we should get the circus started. I do want to say one thing. Delilah, I don't want to speak for you, but it feels like we've put a lot of labels on you. You're the tattooed Oracle escape artist bearded lady. In a box who does, I mean, you have so many, it's like high school superlatives. You want them all. Do you feel overwhelmed? Am I in this alone? How do you feel? I could take all of that and more. Keep it coming. I'm not overwhelmed. I am overjoyed. My heart is full. Okay. I'll tell you what, everyone, write down how you would like to be referred to. Okay. You mean pronoun? Anything. The sign on your tent, the sign on on the thing. Okay. Just write it down and we'll, we'll do our best to honor that. Okay. We can talk about this on the train. When we're heading to Kalamazoo, we can have this conversation. Right now, we got a circus to run, and then we got to break things down. Hands in. Here we go. Well, I, I think individually. Like no one's putting down, their hand in. <laughs> I, I feel like we need to break what, down are the you trying, past. Are you trying first. to say something to me about hands? Oh, come on. Come on, y'all. The appendages in. As a young boy in Copenhagen, every pencil or pen I touched snapped in twain. I was never able to learn to write because my hands were too strong. So... To say write it down instead of just speak it aloud feels like a feels like it's pointed at me. Okay, okay. I well, we can find you a, a stronger pencil, maybe one of those fat kid pencils. You know, I don't know. And Flipper Man, you know, we'll find a utensil appropriate for you as well. All right, I think that we're just we're getting we're kind of thin slicing language a little bit here, and I think we can we it's just we're getting hung up on some things. Okay, yeah, I, I think we should just all go by freak. We got to reclaim. The word and me doing it by myself is not really going to just, you know, writing, having ta- free tattooed on my head. I know it was a start, but I'm really hoping that even you, a ringmaster, will uh, see the freak in you. I like I, I don't think Jenny Del- Delilah was, was born. That's not a real beard. But, but, you know, she's chosen the freak way of life. She's not like me, like Samson there. And I think you could do the same. I think you could be more supportive. Okay. I have offered to pay for the tattoo to turn that F into a B and put an I in apostrophe at the end. But um, that's offers on the table. If you'd rather be breaking than freak. But I just want you to, y'all, this is secondary. This is secondary to the task at hand. You will all forgive me. I do have to eat my daily eight roasted chickens. Please continue. Don't get any grease on your leopard print singlet, please. Okay. We're just not finding the right 
description for dismantling, oh, breaking down. All of these seem to not celebrate the freak in all of us. But if we were to line up everybody with hands, you know, and then who doesn't have hands to who has the biggest hands, we could establish a mean and then a standard deviation of hands. And I mean, I think that's if you're more than two standard deviations away from the norm, I think you're a freak. Okay. I think, I think that's just a fair definition. But the freak's the talent, right? I mean, the freak is what brings wow. Akron out. Wow. Akron's coming out for the freak to get its yes. freak on. Ow, 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 and ow, so, ow, ow. Instead okay, of you... excluding the freaks the fr- Mark. From, the hand, from the hand deviation, maybe we need to think of other tools or other metaphors for what we're doing here. Right? Uh, Mark himself said he can't help put the tents away. Well, but I think it's because he was responding to the breakdown. He can't break it down. Well, he can put breaking on his forehead and he's a great clapper. I would would like that. I would, I would let go of the freak identity if I could actually break dance in a, in a competent way. And I think having something tattooed on your forehead is the first step in acquiring a new skill. I think not having hands would help too. You can just flip around, right? Like I think you're more than halfway there. Sounds like you're making some assumptions. Ringmaster, if I may, I, and I, I don't speak for the freaks, but I speak for this freak. You call yourself Ringmaster. We have to refer to you as Ringmaster. As far as I know, as far as Samson is aware, you have mastered no rings. You have three piercings on one ear, which looks fine, I guess, if that's your thing. But I think if we could just call you like Todd, I feel like that would be, you know, that would kind of delineate, draw a line in the sand between the strong man, flipper boy, the oracle, bearded lady, and then Todd. Or Timmy. How about Timmy? I like Timmy. Perfect. That's perfect. You're just picking names for me. Well, we're trying to pick the right. We're trying to pick the right. I mean, names. Timmy's Timmy's less annoying than Ringmaster. Okay, then Ring, I like it, Timmy. It should be. I mean, he's annoying, so he it should be Ringmaster. It should be the more annoying name. I mean, if you want to get a name that actually fits. But just so everyone knows, I am 63 years old, and I spent 40 years working myself up to Ringmaster, from Ring Assistant, Ring Associate. Take it down a notch, Timmy. I don't think that's the brag you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> if it takes 40 years for you to make Ringmaster, I don't think that's the achievement that you're looking for. My cousin was Ringmaster in seven years. That was not a true circus. Okay. That was not a, I'm familiar with this online circus and uh, I'm not sure if that, if that counts. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's totally fair. The kids circus camps also, you really can't count because they, they want to give the kids a sense that they're constantly achieving. And so they keep giving them higher, but you got to sort of put an asterisk after it. Cause if, if you're a 12 year old who is a ringmaster, that's a bullshit. That's not a real ringmaster. Okay. All right. Okay. I have the hat. I have the riding boots. I have the red fox hunting coat. Okay. And I've earned this station. Okay. And by the way, we are late to get in the, get in the circus open. And the train hasn't even left the station. Like what happened to the train? What happened to? The caboose, where's the boxes that we've lost the task? What I could do, I could maybe pick up the train and throw it. And as I throw it, I could try and hop on. I, I just don't know. It's a bit of a risk because I may not hop high enough. I'm strong, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, again, jump 20 feet, you know. I could maybe try and throw it and hang on and that would carry us all the way. I'm up for suggestions. The train will be here this afternoon, okay? That's my job to get the train here. It's your job to lift a barbell with one ton written on each round ball, all right? 
And it's your job to climb inside that box and then pop out with your bearded face. And Mark, it's your job to wear a lobster suit and, and jump around. And it's, I know it's humiliating, but. I'm not ashamed. I, I love it. It's my yeah, passion. Mark. There's no need. Yeah, exactly. No need to apologize, Mark. We forgot about the pincers. You got way more than flips going on then. You got pincers. I didn't realize you had moved on to the lobster man. It's just something we're experimenting with. I mean, I haven't even gotten the tattoo that says lobster man. So like until you get the tattoo, you're not really serious about it. Without a name, you're nothing. Wow. Wow. Without a name, you're nothing. Todd, you hear that? I thought I thought it was Timmy. Tim, I'm sorry, Timmy. Tim, hey, yes, okay. We'll stop there. We'll stop there. I mean, obviously, tattoos are forever. And if you're a tattooed lobster man or Timmy or ringmaster or whatever, Samson, then that's what you are. Are you, are you all familiar with the, the lobster man murders? No. No. <laughs> Did someone murder lobsters? So there's a town in, in Florida. I think it's near Sarasota where the Ringling Brothers Circus where they wintered and a lot of the circus folk just ended up moving there when they retired. And one of the guys had a deformity and was lobster man. And he had a son lobster boy who then went on to join the circus. And there was a love triangle and a murder, a lobster roll. Yes. R O L L. Somebody died. Jenny. <laughs> Somebody, yes. Somebody, someone actually died. I was stuck on the roll. <laughs> I'm not sure. Philosophy professor the... makes joke about murder. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> yes. Murder of a differently it wasn't able a person. Roll. It was <laughs> I think if we if we renamed it Rick Roll, that would really help to reclaim it. Is this now a thing? Is it ongoing? Oh, it was years ago. It was years ago. Oh, so it was solved. I mean, obviously you're telling us what happened. So Yes. Yeah. But it was a re- one of these like, wow, this is, I hate to say, Florida man, but it was one of those stories. Yeah. You can Google it and re- read all about it. So what did you learn, Adel, about the philosophy of language from that scene? <laughs> wow. I'd like to pass to someone else, please. <laughs> I'd like someone else to go first, please. Bill, do you have any guesses? This is, this is our new, we just sort of worked this out recently that we would use the first scene we would not just say the philosophy up front. We would try to tease it out. And I didn't really help very much. Uh, but Jenny was. I don't know if I did. We were at least saying things related to language and naming and, and stuff. And it seemed slightly relevant. There's an imprecision, I guess, with language. But then again, language doesn't really exist as uh, outside of us, you know. So what does a word mean? What does a name mean? What does that mean? It's just like, in some ways, the arguments, I think, in some ways are a little pedantic or, or, or nauseating because we're literally arguing what does something that we created mean there is no third party there's no appeal to a higher unimpeachable power we agree what a rock is we agree what the ocean is but like what do words mean you know is that kind of what you're going for i editorialized a little bit if that's okay what do words mean man this is touching on a bunch of things in philosophy of language jenny tell the thing just spit it out what you actually brought in here. And then we so can the, that. the thing that I wanted to try to play around with is an essay made famous in the 2000s by Harry Frankfurt called On Bullshit. It was a paper no one ever read. But then around the GW presidency and John Stewart and all the kind of truth, all that stuff, they reprinted it into like a book. <laughs> it's like a common sense pamphlet. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I got it. This is like totally just interesting story to me. My ex-husband was a scientist and they were selling these to scientists to help them fight against 
the political. Now, this is before the Trump administration. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that you said GW and then you outright just said Trump. <laughs> yeah. And Frankfurt just died a month ago. Yes, he did. He died. He recently died. Yeah. July 16th. You know, for him, I was trying to bullshit a lot. <laughs> Once I was trying to also insert myself into the insanity of the circus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so a lot, some of what I think we tossed around had nothing to do with bullshit. Like, what is a name? So when I made that silly, like, well, when it's tattooed, then, you know, once it's a name, if it's not named, it doesn't exist. That could be a position. But bullshit is when you just start making shit up, which is what people do all the time, rather than say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And this is supposed to be important because what the right answer is <laughs> it's it's different than lying that if you ask is is trump a li- is trump a liar well does he care if what he's saying is true or not that's the definition of bullshit according to frankfurt is you just don't care if what you're saying is true you're saying it for you have some illocutionary i think that is the word in other words the locution is the actual meaning of what you're saying but if you have an illocutionary or perlocutionary these intentions so it's just it, you're trying to accomplish something you don't actually care what words specifically are coming out of your mouth. It's like if you're yelling at your dog to stop doing that, it doesn't matter if you're, you don't have to be precise in your language to the dog. You just have, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you just have to get somehow a- accomplish the task. Yeah. There's an insincerity around it. Even someone who's lying, they may not even realize they may be one of those kind of like, I really can talk to ghosts. They really believe they can, you know, and I guess in that way, they're being sincere. Or they know there is a truth of the matter, right? So the background of bullshitting is that there are facts, that there are things you can say about the world, that you can describe rocks, you can describe bearded ladies, whatever. But the bullshitter has become part of a world where nobody talks about, like no one tries to get at the bottom of things and figure out what the facts are. They're just speaking to be heard and to get an audience and to fake their way through something. And yeah. But the larger concern that Frankfurt had and this was kind of something we accidentally played upon was that people were turning more on themselves and their identities and their truth of themselves while performing in a way where there is no truth, where you just bullshit. You don't care. If you're lying, you know, there's truth. If you're bullshitting, you don't, truth is not a thing. It's not a category for you. You don't care about figuring out what the answer is. You just, we know a lot of bullshitters in life. (laughs) I see a lot of them in the classroom. (laughs) Yeah. That cult of personality that bullshits almost supersedes fact to where it's like, if you're so enthralled by someone, you're just like, yes. And then it's like, well, the numbers show and they're like, no, the numbers are dumb. I don't, you know, like, that's not a thing. Just say whatever. And they're like, yeah, he's right. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's because yeah, it's cult of personality. And it's, you listen to the bullshitter and you, the worst part is all the people that get taken in and the bullshitter is just bullshitting. Numbers were invented by Arabs. Did you know that? The Arabic numbers. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. The Greeks did not have numbers. That is true. Really? The Greeks didn't have where, numbers? where did that come from? <laughs> no, they, they no, had Jenny's right. rocks. Yeah. They had like dot, dots that they made. And okay. I was about certain to say. Configura- like, you know, that's why if you read some of Plato's dialogues, like I think the Mino, he's having the boy do a geometry problem, but he's just having him draw it. Like there's no numbers, right? It's like pure geometry. This is random, but there's no way to say what the answer is to the square root of the hypotenuse until yeah, you yeah. have irrational numbers. So it was mystical. Yeah. yeah. Random off topic, okay. not bullshit. Yes, of course. Kind of interesting. <laughs> so Cronus was the God of time. So did they have a time system? Was it just like a sundial or something? There, were, there was numbers, of course, but it's just not, 
the particular symbols that we use for numbers they are Arabic weren't, numbers. Yeah, yeah, they weren't the Arabic numbers. They were, yeah, they weren't numerals. What's the right word? They were like... I think numerals is right. Dots. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. Rocks. <laughs> they had representations they were, of numbers. Yeah, pips. they had they things. Were pips. They had, right. There was... Pip, pip. That's two. Maybe, maybe they had some other thing. I'm totally now bullshitting. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I sound like I know what I'm talking about, so... My wife is on a library board and they're currently trying to find a new director. It's a volunteer position, you know, in the, in the city and they're trying to find a new director for the library. And there's one person on the staff who didn't come to a bunch of meetings and is now being recalcitrant is now being pushing back on all these things. And it's like their agenda is to just stall and gum things up and try to make the whole system look dysfunctional. And then they're sending things via email, which can be FOIA'd by, by, you know, and just all all these things. It's like, you're not engaging your criticisms of this candidate is not legitimate. You you don't care about the criticism. You just want to demonstrate how the library board should be abolished and there should be a for-profit company who's in charge of finding, you know, I don't know what his agenda is other than something very, you see, government doesn't work. Something very nebulous thing, you know. And of course, it's driving my wife and the other board members bananas. But the director positions, is the director position itself voluntary or is the committee voluntary? Or, uh, the, the director is a paid. They're, they like run live. Like, nine to five. Wow, yeah. that, that's like, like fighting over like an unpaid director. Like that just takes me to new levels of like, whoa, that would, I live in land with no people around me for these reasons. <laughs> so yeah. It is a well compensated, fair, fairly compensated position to run a library, you know, to be it for a very large. So the deliberation is being hijacked by this guy's bullshit. Yes. And they should be talking. Well, which Which is one of the problems of bullshit is that it completely prevents the kind of drag out, knock out debates and discussions that we need to get at answers. Just, just which we have three candidates, which one do we like? Who should we hire? Okay. Let's talk about, yeah, right. Like, but nobody wants to say anything, make a claim about reality anymore. They just go into their own bullshit. They have an agenda for doing it. Yeah. I'm afraid I got to interrupt the proceedings to talk about factor meals. With a busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your health, healthy lifestyle. Okay, I cannot talk in that voice for the rest of this. You know the meal kit thing. Well, this is one better because you don't have to actually combine the ingredients. You just heat it up in the oven if you're patient, in the microwave if you're not. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals already in just two minutes. And it's a great way, if you're too busy to cook, to make sure you're eating well. These are upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, asparagus. They've got at least 34 weekly options. I am looking at a bunch of empty boxes of what they sent to me, like roasted veggie and pesto tortellini, creamy Parmesan chicken, Vegan mushroom marsala, jalapeno lime cheddar chicken with spicy cilantro, cauliflower, quote unquote, rice. They're all pretty low calorie and you can, in fact, specify, hey, I want the calorie conscious options with around 550 or less calories per serving. 
Or you could do the Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. They've got special lunch-to-go options, grain bowls, salad toppers. They have snacks, breakfast items, juices, shakes, and smoothies. So get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. You simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash improv50 and use code improv50 to get 50% off. That's code improv50 at factormeals.com slash improv50 to get 50% off. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Sometimes I think people bullshit, not like the, the super famous bullshitters right now running for president, but like some people bullshit because they can't possibly imagine not having something to say on the topic. So they think, well, I just got to enter into this conversation somehow. But this person sounds like they're just trying to, maybe it's like sport, like instead of playing video games, like come home from your job. And I don't mean to interrupt, but I mean, that one guy has been, they've been interviewing him for like, it's been sitting here for like a half an hour now. And he has not come out of the interview should we all just leave? Like, are, are they just hiring him now? Or is this, do you guys have any insight on this hiring process of why this would be taking so long for that one guy? Yeah, I, I don't know what's, what's happened. The interview has been going on far too long. I don't how, know. How long? Longer than a half an hour? 90 minutes. Mm. The, the candidate has been in that room for 90 minutes talking to the, talking to the board. They just told that this was supposed to be just an open call. I don't have a, a 3.30 appointment such that I was supposed to wait for 90 minutes for this guy. I thought it was just going to be kind of a, I mean, it's just like a, a retail job. They should just talk to us for like 10 minutes. All the, all the past interviews that have gone on, none of which have gotten me a job, obviously, or I wouldn't be here, have lasted this long. Yeah. Okay. Look, let's just slow down. They invite candidates. Okay. The candidates speak with Miss Wilton first, then they speak with Mr. Gordon, and then they're in with Mr. Gordon right now. And then they come and speak with us just who, who will, will be their immediate underlings. Right. And they want to get our opinion, which is great. But why is this candidate, all the other candidates have blown through the first two interviews very quickly and then speak to us. And I thought they were fine. So why is this person still in with Mr. Gordon after 90 minutes? Do we think something's wrong? Should we go in there? Something's either terribly wrong or terribly right, which means something could be wrong. Yeah, maybe they hit it off on a personal level and it's just like a deep, 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 deep connection. Like golf. when you are uh, talking for golf. Yeah, golf. Yeah. Oh, damn. I mean, I could have talked about golf. I, I thought I was going to be on the other side. I'm supposed to have an interview for this position, but here I'm the, oh, I'm the underling that I'm supposed to like interview somebody who's going to be over me. I should be internal hires have their own thing, their own process. Okay. It's just when I asked, I could do it. They're just like, no, they're like, obviously, I mean, you are only in here like 10 hours a week and you leave early and you arrive late. And for some reason that disqualifies me, Mark. Hey, Mark, there's a mystery afoot. Okay. And we got to figure this out because if a crime is being committed behind that door, and we do nothing, we are just as guilty, okay? We're complicit. We're complicit. We're complicit. A How possible- long did the other candidates sit with Gordon? 20 minutes, tops. 20 minutes, top. And what about Wilton? Uh, no, 20 minutes, again. They met with her, it's got their paperwork filled out, and now they're, and, the, and then they're supposed to move on to us. And they have it. This guy has it, or girl, or person. I don't know. I don't even know who's in there. Oh, maybe it's like a cute dog. 
oh my gosh, are they going to hire a dog to be our boss? Actually, that I, there was a town that they made dog mayor. You hear about this? You read this? Oh, man. No, but I totally believe you. I did not hear about it, but it's, it's, I could see that happening. It's, yeah. But how do we pay the dog? Uh, scritches, treats. Treats, belly rubs. I don't know. That's like breaking the union rules. I mean, what it, about, yeah. I, I, I demand a decent w- ways. And they're, if they're going to give some dog who's just going to get treats, I, what, I'm, 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 I'm supposed to get treats in order to, get, to go up in the ladder. Mark, we got a major problem here. But how does the dog reward me? I mean, here's some facts for you, huh? Here's some facts for you, huh? Lay it out. If you have a dog, if you are around a dog for one year, you live five years longer. And that's just facts. I mean, that you can't make that up, okay? Also, the most loyal creature around. There's a dog statue in Tokyo of a Shiba Inu. And the reason they made a statue of a Shiba Inu is because even after this guy's owner died, he showed up to the train station for 40-some years. You can't make that up. No. But, no. but they can't go to the bathroom on their own. No. What, what kind of boss do you want? Do you want a loyal boss? Or yeah, do you, you want, want a disloyal boss? Yeah. Yeah, huh? exactly. I want huh? a loyal boss. There who we can go. Okay. Relieve, relieve themselves appropriately. Oh, so we not find, on the carpet. Okay. If we find a human who's loyal... But has a urinary in- incapacity. Well, I mean, that's yeah. one of the reasons they told me I couldn't. I couldn't apply to this job because of my urinary incapacity. Your colostomy. <laughs> I mean, it's mostly just carelessness, frankly, and the fact that I'm usually drunk. But I thought my performance as a charming person should just override that. Look, we have three options right now. Option one, we call the police. We straight up call the police. Okay. Option two, one of us pounds on that door and demands to know what's going on. Who pounds? Option, option three, we get out of town, burn our IDs, and just go underground. I see no other option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. But we have a digital footprint. Gordon, of all people, knows how to find, even if we burn our IDs. Gordon, that's his thing, man. That's, that's why I think he's got a dog in there. I know. He's like spying on my Facebook just because I post pictures of myself urinating on various parts of the street in town. They're like, that disqualifies you from something. And I'm like, that's my business. What I post on Facebook is a private thing for me and my friends and friends of friends. That's the way I set the security. I mean, it could also be in that book burning that you were, you know, live feeding like two weeks ago. I mean, I mean, that's just to have something to urinate on. I, you know, fires are the best place to urinate without question. I mean, if, if a dog knows that, then I would respect it. But dogs, they don't go to fires to urinate. They just fire hydrants. They, they're the symbol of putting out the fires. The fires is where it's at. I think Gordon was at that fire. I think that's why we got to think about leaving town. Did Gordon come in today? <laughs> was, was, was he? Like, is he even in there? Wow. 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 Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, here's what I'm going to do. Somebody stop me if you don't want me to. I'm going to just blurt out every dog name I can possibly think of. And if you hear a whinny or a whine or a bark or a sniff or a scratch, we have our answer. Cookie, Oreo, Tuxedo, Malmut, the Topography, Forest, Charlie, Maddie Matt. Oh, Maddie Matt. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It could have been a pen dropping. Could have been a dog scratching. Okay. It could have been a human getting in and out of a dog costume. What if it's a gay Disney character? It might be a gay Disney character that's behind the door. Like one of those, what is it, like Coco or... You can't say one of those. One of those Disney movies. Don't, with the, don't with, put them in a category of Dis- Disney <laughs> gay wow. dogs. This took a... Going back to Copenhagen, like Little Mermaid, that wouldn't look a, that's not Danish mermaid. 
Like, I'm sorry. Maybe that's what's going on. Copenhagen. Where did you... Why going back to Copenhagen? Because Samson's from... Well... Wow. What are you talking about? On the streets of Copenhagen. Do you you have some insight? Do you have some insight of of what's who's behind the door and what's the hiring process? Oh No, I'm just... I thought we were going with this. Like... I don't know Jenny, if it's a dog. It occurred to me it could be like a woke Disney character. Okay. Um, like that's a way for Gordon to blow this all up. What's the most? Oh, oh hey, hey. I, think I got the candidate in there right now. We went ahead and broke early for lunch. And we're actually going to finish up this interview in a second here. Uh, but uh, just with scheduling and things, they got to catch a flight. So they went ahead and had an early lunch. And uh, they'll be in to meet with you in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Thanks, y'all. Forehead Quick. covered in sweat. All right, Today. I'm just I'm just gonna piss in the corner. Did that just happen? Did that just happen? Did, oh, oh my god! All right, but wow, Gordon's agenda. Yeah, yeah. Maybe break for lunch is like code. Yeah, it's like an S and M thing. Break for lunch. Just, just you know what I'm saying. Just start drinking. Totally. Just, I would never a, do it. I mean, but I've heard people. I only do have flippers, so like. Hey, we never said it, Jenny. We accept you as you are. We never. A colostomy bag is way more noticeable, if I could just say it. And when Mark gets drunk, he picks it up and plays it like a little guitar and stuff. So I mean, I feel like we could solve the dog problem. We just we just, just never attach get, one of those I'm never bags. Just, I'm but, never getting a promotion. Well, I don't know. I mean, we got to circle the wagon here. What are we going to say to they? Yeah. No, we need to set a trap for them. We're going to set a yes, trap. Yes. What did we learn? We learned they had lunch. Yeah. Something about an early flight. Okay. If, if I may, a lot of traps, you see them coming, right? But if a lobster, think of a lobster trap. It just nestles at the bottom of the, and then the lobster walks in. It looks like it's environment and then it just shuts the door. Mm-hmm. And then it's lobster roll, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So just like that Alaska crab show, I, I've seen a ton of. Oh, yeah. Uh, most dangerous job, right? Most dangerous job, Alaska Crab Show. Yep. Seen a ton of those. So we just make the room the trap. Yes. It's just the whole room. Yeah. And then when it comes in, yeah, they... We're just like lobsters in the boiling pot. Are you drinking, Mark? Have you been drinking? Slowly turning up the temperature. The room's temperature. Slow boil. We'll stop right there. We'll stop. Okay, that's it. We did it. I thought pissing in the corner meant that this scene should stop, but it just kept going. Imagine a colostomy bag full of Mountain Dew Code Red. (laughs) (laughs) Just freaking people out. Oh my gosh. Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, I have a colostomy. What's the big deal? Well, I I know. That's not what I meant. I just... <laughs> it is red and fizzing. Is, is that normal? I've never seen. <laughs> so we're of, course, we're of course running into the issue that it's hard to depict or run too far with with bullshitting in an improv scene where all of improv is bullshitting, right? Or or is there wow. something about wow. special non bullshitting improv that Bill is the king of of like staying coherent? Because bullshitting doesn't mean incoherence. It doesn't mean getting oh. drunk and saying random things. Adel was okay. doing the the braggadocious or the thinking of dog stories and like that was a good kind of uh, Cliff Clavin bullshitting explicit yes, kind of thing. I was totally thinking of Cliff Clavin. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Oh, we're old. I don't know if inherently all improv is bullshitting. It feels more like, and this may sound silly, but like channeling. It doesn't feel like there's a goal to like trick anyone. 
It's just a matter of like, I'm picking up on this frequency and I'm channeling this, this thing in this moment. There definitely are. I mean, just to speak to like my experience as, as a fan of Bills and watching his, his team 3033, you know, you see people like Bill who it's like they can let, sort of wield the energy and have that sort of control of everything. And then you see someone like uh, Mark uh, and or Andy, I was going to say Andy. Um, <laughs> I can't remember his last name. Real tall, Andy Sinclair, who's just chaotic in terms of like the way he improvises is just like lightning in terms of like, I'm almost trying to knock down this house of cards that Bill made. So it, it feels like even that, I don't know if it's bullshitting versus just like trying to channel whatever's in the ether, just, sure. just as like a weather vane to like, just let the, uh, I keep using weather, uh, weather references, but just trying to kind of feel the room and figure out the energy of it. But, but yeah, again, I don't believe personally that it's, that improv would be bullshitting. You are making things up, but at the same time, you're playing someone who absolutely could be real sometimes. I mean, not, yeah. maybe not in my case, a lot of time. But that is, I guess, ultimately the goal is to is to mimic everyday life. I mean, you just raised a point that made me think as a philosopher, which is because improv to me is also like humor. Like for me, like what I like about it is the specific way it uses humor to illuminate certain issues. And I wonder if you can actually be funny if all you do is bullshit. Like it would be a really lame funny, right? It would be like a Trump funny. Like, oh, really? this guy you know it's never like any surprising new way of looking at something that i think improv or humor can do i mean this is like the second time i've ever tried doing improv and for me the hard part which seems the opposite of bullshit is committing like you completely have to commit you have to sort of like okay what what where are we going with this and like jump in and i think like people that bullshit aren't committed to anything i was particularly trying to be provocative given that we keep referring to truth in comedy and yes. no, I, I don't mean in the scene. I mean, in, in characterizing oh. improv as, as bullshitting uh, that I, yeah. I was going to get some pushback on that. But I'm trying to figure out what the lesson was. You can highlight the bullshitter through an improv thing, right? Like you can. Oh, we're, Bill is looking like Jenny has stumbled on something. Uh Oh, on, on, Yay! On, I like being a good student. What, what is it? What is what is the improv lesson? Or do, what do you the want improv to... lesson was, especially when we start adding numbers of actors was to try to limit the numbers of points of view. I know this is something that's probably come up with Mark and I at some point, but this idea that what makes a conversation difficult would be a meeting where everyone has their own agenda and everyone has their own thing that they're pushing, as opposed to in a scene, in this scene, what I wanted to demonstrate was, especially for a good chunk of that, the three of us, you know, Adel, Jen, and I are all kind of pushing in the same direction. We had the same agenda and Mark was being selfish and we had fun ignoring him, but that was, it was selfish or <laughs> but it's, we've all been in unproductive meetings. We've all been in meetings. And I think when we're talking about these disruptive people, the disruption is that they're not paying attention to what's going on. That they're not on board, you know, is you know talking about, you know, improv. It's like, well, everyone's on board. And even if you have a different point of view, we're still on board. But then the discussion at hand, what's going on in that room, we have to engage in that discussion. And even if what we're saying is ridiculous and, Adels mentioning ill-sighted television programs or grocery store newspaper headlines. We still believe it and that's fine. And we're all pushing in the same direction. If that makes it, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. As actors, we're pushing. Our characters are, are ridiculous, but our, as actors, we are all pushing in the same direction. But you're direction. a team. You're, yeah. you're achieving a goal. Whereas the setup is somebody who refuses to like give in any way to resolving something in like. Yeah. Well, I know in my improv, I'm generally trying to fill in the pieces of some puzzle. And in this case, <laughs> it was because I thought I had set up the scenario 
that we are all waiting to be interviewed for a job. And someone else <laughs> that's in front of us in this open yes. casting call has been in there for a long time. And then Bill spun it around. No, no, we're actually the panel that is waiting for the person to come out so we can interview them. And so I was like, why would a character be this confused? And so the rest <laughs> of my acting like jackass was just, I thought I was supposed to be up for this job, but now I'm, you know, in the position that you said. And so what does that mean for this person? Well, that was a classic Bill move you just experienced. It's like, you got three lines for it to make sense. If it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to define it aggressively. Uh, uh, <laughs> You've been our netted. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so at, at first, I thought that's what you might be going for, Mark. But there was for some reason other people weren't biting or didn't land for whatever reason. I was like, all right, well, I'm going in, going in hot. Cover me. Any thoughts, Adel, about setting up a scene? I mean, I've mostly heard you in Magic Tavern and things or in the Riddle podcast where it's lightning fast. This is the premise to the thing. It doesn't take, in that sense, you know, three lines to establish something. And in Magic Tavern, like, it's an ongoing, it's already established for the most part. Sorry, what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> Did you have any thoughts to supplement bills on techniques for establishing where the hell are we and what are we doing? I think anytime you can use like a we statement of like, wow, we've been waiting to be interviewed for so long or whatever that is, I think just out of the gate setting an environment as clear as possible is probably the best move. I think they always say, or at least the teachers I've had in improv have always said, whenever you come out to the scene within five to 10 seconds, you have to make almost a promise to the audience of what's going on. So if you say like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rongling Brothers Circus. You can't then be like, you know, 10 seconds later, be like, oh, so that's what I was saying to this lady. Anyway, I'm the president. And I'm about to go into the Oval Office for lunch. Like, you have to be like, no, you're a ringmaster and you gave that speech. And now we're going to see whatever else there is in this in this environment. Just to really pull back the curtain and show the old man behind it. I truly up top was so focused on. Oh, we went to a scene and then I was like, is this the scene where, cause yeah, we, uh, Bill had ch chatted me a thing and I was like, I don't know if this is supposed to be the scene where I try and steer towards that or what. So I think I was so focused on the prescribed goal that I was like, I don't know how to enter. I don't want to enter the scene until I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause I could really muck it up if I put my foot uh, <laughs> out there before I know what the intention is at the moment. So that's, that was my reason for really hanging back up until the 11th hour. Well, I, I also feel yeah. like I've just grown impatient to get to the improv in some of these episodes. And so I will just, instead of saying, now we're starting a scene, I will just go, perhaps disregarding some necessary <laughs> setup for your lesson. The way I always approach it is, so if it's the four of us, I would start a scene by saying like, I can't believe my food has taken an hour and a half, hour and a half. Like, I think we should leave this Applebee's. And then you three can have whatever goal you want. Or you can start the scene by saying, we've been waiting an hour and a half for our food. Should we just go eat somewhere else? And that's lumping us all into the same situation. So that's a way that I think about it in terms of like, do I want myself to be sort of the one being affected and be the odd man out perhaps, unless the other people join in on that? Or do I want to sort of rope everyone catalog style and say, we're all experiencing this, right? Why are you lying, Adel? We're not in Applebee's at all. <laughs> a no and. Yeah. I'm at a German Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to do the room. For some reason, Jenny saying the room is the trap 
Almost Tommy got me Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Well, that, the whole idea that, you know, in most funny scenes, even sketches and whatnot, there's one core absurdity. There's something in the most liberal sense of the word absurdity. So, something that doesn't fit, something that doesn't match, something that isn't right. And it's this whole notion of well, where do we put that? And I think that's, that's a great, great way of thinking about it. Me or we, this absurdity is going to be somewhere. We do have control over where it goes and, and how we play it. And that it, that's not necessarily a trivial thing. You know, especially if it's a great way to change up the energy or pace of a scene. If you had a bunch of scenes where it's, I'm the problem, I'm the problem, I'm the problem. Maybe we need a, we're all the problem or we're all on the same page as a way of, of kind of changing the energy. And there certainly are TV shows and things that I think demonstrate, you know, crazy people in a crazy world or sane people in a crazy world. You find examples at your leisure. <laughs> <laughs> Young yeah. ones. Young ones. There, there we go. Yes. Yes. I don't know. The voice of reason in that show was like the audience. Just like, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. You know, there's everyone is just on the same side of the absurdity. Yeah. I'll also say just in terms of the me versus we, I think that's my mentality when I go into group scenes. If it's a two person scene, I think it's like there's way more paths. Uh, we don't have to Robert Frost it with the we and me. We Somerset mom it, baby. We can have any sort of <laughs> any sort of direction we want. But I think with group scenes specifically, you can't sustain more than X amount of point of views where it sort of collapses under the weight of all that. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm just thinking that of that sense. Young Ones episode written by Somerset Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was a thing. Sorry, Jenny. What were you about to say to help yeah. us wrap this up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did I say Somerset Mom wrote an episode of Young Ones? <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that. I'm <laughs> imagining. You said it and then you go, I don't think that was a thing. And I was like, <laughs> is he accusing me of lying? I didn't say it. <laughs> I don't know why you keep bringing up Somerset Mom's young ones whole repertoire and he's just obsessed with it. He had all these badges. He had like the tattoo. So did, did Frankfurt have any resolutions or any tools to fight back or answers or just be on the lookout? I think he wanted to call out bullshit as bullshit, right? Like just call it out. So it didn't work, right? I mean, we live in a world now where people use alternative facts or whatever, non-facts or, I mean, he, like a lot of philosophers, just want to hold on to truth-seeking as the main function of philosophy. Um, and he was pushing back at the time against totally different things within the world of philosophy, I think, that were more about the postmodern self and authenticity and existentialism stuff. But his goal really was to have us call bull- bullshit when it's happening and not do it, not engage in it, because it erodes a shared world of truth. It's certainly relevant. For today, today yeah, it's extremely headline. relevant because because so much of the outrage and the and the shock and the occasions to be canceled, whatever it is, are all manufactured bullshit, and they're just keeping our eyes away from like real things. Yes, well, the defense is in the press of in court cases of people in the media that you can't accuse this person of slander or something because everybody knows what they're doing is entertainment and it is not to be taken. At face value. And I that, want that. that. Is, I want that. Philosophy professor. That has been used multiple times in courts cases recently. Yeah. So, you can't take me yeah. seriously. I argue with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you're a fool do. for thinking I was yeah. serious when I said. Like, who cares yeah. what yeah, I say? This is not really contributing to the discussion, so my apologies. But I'm really fascinated by the type of person who seems to be celebrated, who I think in their own mind palace they think in their own little world they think that they're calling out bullshit so they'll be like those pants look awful on you and they're like oh man 
Jeff really calls it like he sees it. Like he really cuts, <laughs> he really cuts through the bullshit. I'm like, I think this, I think this guy just sucks. I think it is bullshit. Yeah. But <laughs> he I, just he, yeah, exactly. it on. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, I think he's bullshit, but it's this yeah, thing yeah, of yeah. like almost projecting onto someone else something before maybe you're seen through. I don't know. Like I always say, if I were to ever go back in time, so say I went back to like medieval times, I would immediately find the weirdest looking person, like in terms of like how they're dressed or something, how they carry themselves. And I would immediately point at them and be like, time traveler, that person's a time traveler. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> and then be like, phew, I've bought myself a few weeks. So I think it's that kind of mentality of like, but everyone celebrates it as they shoot from the hip. They speak their truth. They, they say it look, like it is. Exactly. And I think it's a terrible quality to like elevate and celebrate. Honestly, that's genius. Yeah. Once you start getting people who are like, well, if my identity is saying it like it is, I guess I have to continue saying it like it is just in order to maintain me, my sense of self or other people's. I'm sure celebrities get almost like social typecasting. Well, this is who you are. You're the say it like it is guy. I guess I got to keep doing it. Fine, whatever. Hey, fatty. How's it going? (laughs) even mean it yeah do you even mean it anymore when you say it like it is it has become so dispassionate you're (laughs) billy eichner (laughs) you're starting to make me see though that like the people that appropriate this identity of saying it like it is never say anything they make people fearful they just yeah like they're shocking they just want to be this shock and awe person i don't know and because whenever i hear a criticism of people i immediately try to figure out how it applies to myself you know that the whole partially examined life brand and whatever that it has to do with i don't actually have to know the things because it's about it's about phenomenology it's about telling you my experience of how i see it right now i understand (laughs) that i'm ill-informed but i'm just going to tell you how i see it with humility with humility about myself and uh you know so i'm i'm a a straight shooter but it only shoots this far (laughs) (laughs) i don't know is humility is humility in there (laughs) Well, that might be the bullshit part of it, is that it's a faux form of humility. God, this could be endless. You know, like the person who's like, I want to be humble. And they're really just bullshitting. Yeah. All the the sincerity and humility of like a theater kid who got the lead role. Oh, my gosh. This is I'm so humbled by this. I'm just this is. I mean, what an opportunity. Um, They've and already you, oh, like and, practiced though. Like, yeah. And you, and did you get anything? You didn't get cast. Oh uh, no. But I'm so sincere. Cause listen to the tone and cadence of my voice. <laughs> and then they launch into rent. Yeah. And when I'm up there on the stage. Yeah. If you don't have that spotlight on me, I don't shine. I was so, a theater major, so all the theater parties I went to was just everyone belting rent, and I was like, I don't know what to do here. Oh my god! I feel like that was why did I hang out with philosophers? They sucked. That was a, a bonding experience with my daughter when she was in high school theater. Is that I felt I would never normally be catty about children, about my daughter's peers, but you should have gotten the lead in that musical. That person who got the lead sucked. <laughs> like. It's not like I'm calling it like I see it to, to their faces. I don't mean to be draw lines between sexes here, but I've only heard this phenomenon anecdotally from other guys. And I'm curious, Jennifer, if you, you can correct this, but there's this. I weird, play a guy on TV. Oh, there yeah, we sorry, go. go 
<laughs> but uh, there have been multiple people in my life, particularly late elementary into junior high, into high school, who just lie, who just make up stories that are on their face unbelievable. And it was like as a kid, it's like, well, you know, I got all the G.I. Joes for, for Christmas. It's pretty cool. You guys can come and just like, and there's even like characters on television. Shows. There's a guy on like the Venture Brothers who just lie. Well, I got karate practice after this. And then I've got ninja, ninja class. So I'm, I'm busy tonight. Just like easily debunkable lie. And I, maybe this is more of a psychology kind of thing, but like, do y'all, have y'all met this person? Is it just me? Oh, you have. Okay, I good. I don't, but I don't think it's just men. Like, Okay, that's so I don't, I'm afraid to say this because my daughter will probably watch this, but sometimes what I like to say, what my daughter does when a friend of mine tells me something that she's exclaimed that she can do is that I say, well, that was an aspirational comment. On her part. No, she can't play guitar. I know that she told you that. But, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Like there's that definitely that kind of just lying because you're trying to fit in and be cool or like bond with whatever people are saying which is a little bit like what you were describing and i think that that knows no gender that is non-binary non-binary but i think that that maybe what people lie about may have gender dimensions so the examples you gave are all about like demonstrating how tough and cool and manly i mean gendered behavior is complicated now that i'm like starting to go there and women lying it's like i don't know if you want to I got all the G.I. Joes. This makes me the equivalent of G.I. Joes. There's some serious experts at that, and it's very stressful. Like, it's not as overt. (laughs) I have so many G.I. Joes. I'm like, I'm the the anima of G.I. Joes. It was a guy at Boy Scout camp who would just talk about his conquests with his girlfriend that were just like, we all knew that wasn't, and we're like 13, and he's like 15, you know, and, but we all knew they were wrong, but we didn't stop him. But we, we, it's not like we yeah. wanted them to be true for him. We just kind of let these stories go on. And they were total BS. And there was, at no point did any of us believe. We even said later, you're like, he was just making stuff up, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of cool, though, isn't it? You know, and it's like, we kind of let it happen. And I wonder if there's the BSers dividend. Is that like, maybe someone. They keep getting promoted. Like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we like that. <laughs> we're okay with that. Once upon a time, it was just a kid at a camp. And then next thing you know, president, C- CEO. <laughs> president. Yeah. Yes. It almost feels I like am... watching too much like movies or something where it's like, I saw Porky's and I think this is how my night's supposed to. I, anyone who hasn't seen Porky's, don't watch Porky's. Terrible reference. Um, <laughs> I but can't it's a thing of like, that since the 80s. <laughs> it's a thing of like, oh, I think. This is how my night was supposed to go and it didn't go that way. So, but I better make up something because, you know, that yeah. was, that was exciting and thrilling and whatever. And so it, I had several people in my grade school who would claim, not several people, maybe three. Now I'm doing it. I was being hyperbolic. There's three people who would claim to be related to celebrities based on their last name. So there's someone with the last name Cruz spelled differently and be like, yeah, <laughs> it's my cousin. And I feel like, I feel like nowadays you could, Easily probably look that up and just be like, bop, 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 bop. Nope, not, that's not a thing. But back, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, it was just like, I guess I have to not believe you, but I have to like go along with it because yeah. I don't, ha- I don't have proof against you and I'm not going to spend the energy to like build a case against your bullshit. But I don't know. Bill, I think there's absolutely those people uh, uh, all around us. All yeah. around. Okay, good. All around. They're called teachers. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's frightening. Let's enter our final phase here where we decide 
<laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be first. Adel, which was the most fr- in your mind? Why is it always Adel first? Sorry, what was the question? Uh, philosophy, or, philosophy or improv? Which one wins the day? Put in your vote. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, and justify it. Yeah. Oh, that's being philosophical. Yeah. Okay. Don't bullshit, man. Yeah. You know what? I think. I mean, I think for this episode, I think philosophy. I think the philosophy of like the bullshitting really sort of made me stop and think and it's going to stick with me for a little bit. So I think today philosophy, I wouldn't say it wins. I'd say it's <laughs> You did say it wins. Jenny, I would, say, I would say it wins, but I th- I think the um Jenny was yeah, that you you who brought it up to begin with, the art of bullshitting and all that. I think that's just definitely going to sit with me and make me be thoughtful about the bullshit around me and and how I can shoot from the hip and really tell it like it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's an instruction manual, that book. Is. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> exactly. Jenny, any How further get... thoughts? Do you concur? Do you dissent? So I have never taken an improv class. I've never tried to do this. And every time, now it's twice, twice. I'm being exaggerating here. The two times I've done this, I just see the power in improv. Like, I wish I would have done, maybe it's not too late. <laughs> because even though, like, the lesson, I'm glad that, like, bullshit's, you know, like a concept in the world that can like make your head spin around and think about something. It's way more fun to be talking about, <laughs> you know, I don't know, urinating in the corner and walking. My favorite REM and, song. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's pee in the corner. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, that's boo. Me. boo. With the colostomy bag, losing my... Oh, never mind. So, um, so I think, I don't know, you maybe... For me, it was fun to do the improv. I got caught off guard in the second one. I started getting into like professor mode. So it was fun to kind of reel it back in. And that that was exciting for me. And I think every time I would do this, I come around, come away thinking, why don't I do this in my class? Why don't I just throw a, a situation to my students to work out the text? I think improv won for me. But then maybe the key thing here is that improv is only as good as the content. So improv needs mm. content. Okay, Maybe not. I just... That's a philosopher's distinction, maybe. Um, but I, I feel like what I get drawn into if I see anything like that, I mean, I mostly just see stand-up comedians, but is I like what they're saying, like the message that they're that they're giving, whether they're doing so by, you know, if it's a scene that everyone's creating at the moment or they're they've got a bit. I just, if you ever want to see the most fascinating bullshit you'll ever see in your life. Oh, please. Yeah. And it's a stand-up Theo Vaughn. I've seen clips of his. All he does is like someone will say something. Someone will be like, "Yeah, my got my dad got a new Cadillac," and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I went to the Cadillac factory one time, and I and I got stuck under the car, and they they said they might have to cut off my legs, and they didn't." And it's like, what do you? Every single second of his <laughs> him talking is that. Is like him come back make, to some random like he's he's ADD comic. He just makes <laughs> he truly just makes up stories, and everyone just goes. I guess like it's it's exactly what Bill was exactly what Bill was talking about. Stand up comedian Theo Vaughn. For some reason, yeah, I've had some clips of his pop up in my TikTok and it's just the it's fascinating how his brain will just be like, Yeah, me as well. Whatever you said, that's also me, but to an extreme. Like it's uh <laughs> dangerous, yeah. And he looks like Timothy Oliphant's younger clone. Oh. Yes. Is what yeah. Google is telling me, so <laughs> Could easily be a character in Justified season two. <laughs> Bill, do you have? I've not seen that show. Is that a good one? I'm running out of shows. Season sure. two is amazing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sub- subsequent seasons. <laughs> subsequent seasons are entertaining, but uh, yeah. Maria Steenberger is good. Bill, any final <laughs> thoughts? 
we have, uh, a, we have a few one. Decision. Are you kidding? Philosophy so one. It's just so it's, really it's totally one. I guess it's I'll. Totally I, I was going to vote for improv, but I wouldn't vote for your improv lesson in particular. I think the spirit of improv, <laughs> filling the discussion and shaping it. Fair I, enough. You know, Fair I, enough. I, I, but the particular thing about narrowing viewpoints. That's uh, I'll try to keep that in mind, but I don't think that was what I found most effective about the improv. I think I'm sort of with Jenny that this is really fun and I'm glad I get yes. to do this. And thank you both, you guests and Bill, for uh, for coming and making this a party. We let it go a little long because it seemed like you guys were just finally getting to know each other and able to chat freely. Yeah, thank you so much. And I will absolutely take that L on my shoulders because unlike Samson, I did not carry my weight in the lesson because I was uh, I was on my heels, not understanding a few things that was going on. So I absolutely uh, let down my side of uh, the team. Oh, oh. well, I, I let down because I set up the Delilah joke that never came to be. Like when I wanted to be Delilah, there had to be the cutting of your hair off at some point, And we never got there. So next time, next time. I did not make the connection between Samson and Delilah. <laughs> well, I, I went there and you're calling I'm, me the bearded lady. And I'm like, that'll I'll work. That'll work. We'll go with that. But if he's like the strong man, I got to be the one who like takes it away. <laughs> I was more just like, what makes a Jenny become a Delilah? That, that it just seemed <laughs> there's a poignant story Cigar in there. Cigar smoking bearded lady in a box. That's what makes her a Delilah. With, I don't know. Menthols. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. So long. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Thanks for inviting me. Thank this you. Was blast. Super fun, everybody. If you enjoyed this, get more at philosophyimprov.com. If you're hearing this on the Partially Examined Life feed, please go subscribe directly to the Philosophy vs. Improv podcast so you won't miss any episodes, and you'll see our whole back catalog of episodes in that feed. While you're on the Apple Podcasts site subscribing, please leave a nice rating and review of this podcast. Better yet, avoid all the ads. Here are post-game discussions for nearly every episode, and experience the video for this and most other recent episodes at patreon.com slash philosophy improv. Thanks so much for listening. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.